Hey everybody, and welcome to episode three of Model Club TV. As always, my co-host is Scott Johansson. Hello, everyone. Hey, uh, you'll notice that Steve isn't with us this episode, and probably not for the future episodes. Um, he's kind of decided to go off and do his own thing with his own YouTube channel. And if Scott, is there anything you want to add to that? Yes, I spoke to Steve, and um, so everyone's clear. There's no animosity between us and Steve. We're all still real good friends um, most of the time. And <laughs> Steve is just uncomfortable with the podcast um, part of this. He's more of a visual guy and wants to show more maybe how-tos and work, you know, his own work. So he's going to be working on his own YouTube channel, SW Riojas. That's s-w-r-i-o-j-a-s and that's his youtube channel you can subscribe to that he's got a couple of videos on there right now and i think he's hoping to uh do some more in the near future and get that going and uh we of course wish him nothing but the best and uh he's of course welcome to come back and visit us anytime maybe once he gets this going a little bit he can come back and talk about it and um we miss him already yeah it's gonna be weird uh we wanted to we we did our best to try and get him to uh stay here with us and do that kind of stuff on the model club channel but hey i just i still have my own personal youtube channel i'd love for steve to have his own and and see what he can do there and we're still forced like you know push people over there and say hey steve's got some great stuff going on and he's still part of the contest as far as we know well the contest might be up in the air we'll talk about that a little bit um but yeah, Steve, we love him. We love you. And we'll talk to you soon here, I hope, with some of that stuff. But other than that, Scott, what else is going on? Anything? Nothing is going on here. Um, Fourth of July was pretty uneventful. All the digits are still there. Nice. Me too. So that, yeah. No burns. Nope. No burns, no bandages for Jason. So that's that's a good sign. Um, been back to work, so I've been busy you know, readjusting to a full-time job again. And, oh, I did get a um, big box of balsa foam. And I mean a big nice. box of balsa foam. So you've cornered the market on balsa I, foam. I've cornered the market <laughs> on balsa foam for right now. Um, I may be selling some. I don't know. I may just hoard it because I'm like that. But uh, I yes, have my mitten box balsa foam. But I still want to do that foam comparison, and maybe I can uh, video that and get yeah. that going. Um, oh, definitely. I still have the samples from the other places. We're definitely still going to do some of those how-tos and YouTube videos here, and I look forward to that, especially that casting demo. And I have a couple other ideas for videos, and I, yeah, we have to get that balsa foam one up for sure. All right. As long as I get to leave my clothes on, I'm good. Yes. I think we're good. I think it's good for everyone, probably. <laughs> I think everyone's good with that, yes. <laughs> Uh, same thing here. Fourth of July was the most uneventful Fourth of July I've had in years, and it was okay. That was fine with me. Um, and as far as everything else, yeah, going back to work, a lot of that stuff's up in the air. As everybody knows, I'm a teacher, and that's a crazy <laughs> aspect of this country right now. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to go back to work and see kids again. So. But yeah, uh, as far as yeah, current events, that's where we are. The uh, workbench time. What are you working on, Scott? Anything? Well, I am. <laughs> I have this ashtray. 
that was broken on the 4th of July that I'm going to be gluing together later today and maybe saving uh, for someone so they have somewhere to put their butts. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, as far as I'm going, it's, I mean, this is going to, I think people, this is our first interview show. So we got to kind of cut this first half short, shorter than we normally do. But, uh, I am still working on the same stuff, still on the ghost of cast Castel Murray or Castle Mayor. Uh, I did get, I wanted to show my stampa and people who are listening. Uh, this is what I've been working on forever. Don't show your stampa. I know, <laughs> but I did, I've been working on magnets for it. So. I've been magnetizing things and putting all these parts on here. It's a big orc vehicle, and that's that. The other thing I'm working on that just kind of showed up on my desk yesterday, my workbench, because that's what we call it, uh, a friend of mine who had passed away a couple years ago, well, a few years ago now, uh, he had this giant, uh, the rabbit from Twilight Zone. I don't know who sculpted it for him or where he got it. I think he got it from some special effects guy. But his widow knocked it over and broke some of it. So I'm working on repairing this thing. Jesus. And the body with the hat is over there. I mean, the ears came off, all this stuff. I don't know where it came from, but the, a lot of the paint chipped. And it's just, that's my repair job for this week, I think, to get that done. And the body's sitting over there. But What is that made out of? It's a... It's like a it's a resin, like hollow cast resin, but the base, like the hat that he's popping out of, is made out of like plaster or hydrocal or something like that, and it just it doesn't sit well, and it's always wanting to tip over, and that's the second time I'm repairing this thing, um, and since it's hollow, it breaks really really easy, um, but yeah, in terms of the bench, it's kind of what I mean. That's what I've been going the paint that i've been using i don't know if i've talked about it yet but it's this paint from a from a creature caster which is a miniatures company and it's called pro acryl and it's actually a really good paint uh it's smooth it doesn't really get chunky or anything like that it blends really well it's not for airbrush but you could you could easily thin it out but check them out it's creature caster and it's pro acryls their brand of paint i did hear that they reformulated it recently so these bottles might be a little of the old formula formula but it's a good paint it's not bad at all and i don't know still kind of working on i did update my bench behind me a little bit got some stuff where i could put my sandpaper Re you know when your girlfriend is a uh, <laughs> i don't know, she drags me to antique shops all the time and so i find some really cool stuff for modeling like i found this old parts bin made out of metal like steel so it's kind of rusty and cool looking, but it has all these bins. And I'm putting it across the back of my desk as a sandpaper holder. And I got some other file cabinets and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of where we've been. Uh, anything else? Any other ashtrays you repaired? No, just this one. <laughs> nice. Just this one. So Yes, this, this one got knocked over. Uh, Was it the only uh, thing that got knocked over that day? Oh, yes, because it, it got knocked over. It got put on the ledge of the deck um, while we were moving tables because my dog was scared, and he decided he was going to do a walking turd. And so when I was up there cleaning, wow. that's when the, uh, the <laughs> ashtray got knocked over. Wow. So Okay. Um, yeah, there's always a story, you know, that there are, my life never goes normal. That is true. 
So let's move on to news and reviews. The first bit of news, before we get to some, re not even reviews, but like, because I haven't gotten anything, but we do have some pictures to show of things that kind of popped up on the internet. But I think the ver the first bit of news I kind of wanted to talk about is I go to Horror Hound and Mask Fest every year in Indianapolis, and that's in September, and it just got canceled. Which is a bummer for me because I really, 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 really like MaskFest. And if anyone has never gone to MaskFest or HorrorHound, it is a really cool convention. Uh, there's tons of cool stuff there. There's some model kits, not many, but it's uh, it's just a big horror convention. And the mask part of it is is really fun to go to. And I it's I highly recommend everybody going once. Um, but it got canceled, which leads me to WonderFest, which is only a month later. And I really, really, I don't think it's happening. What do you think? I don't think so either. I um, also heard that the October Chiller Show was also canceled, and that's their big show. Yeah. So, so for them to cancel is a pretty big deal. Um, they they usually try. They'll they've gone through rainstorms and everything. You know, windstorms. Yeah. I think one year. So for them to cancel, you know. Yeah, along with Jersey Fest canceled in September and the other cancellations we talked about last time, I don't see Wonderfest moving forward. And um, when we, uh, I, I know we'll discuss that a little further when uh, we bring our guest on. And but uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. Which I mean, that means it gives. Well, I hope they just move it to you know next year. It's not gone completely but I, I think after the influx of money from wanta fest they kind of have to have one at some point right mm -hmm. they can't just say no we're never doing this again unless the law says you can't have this ever again and because even if they limit like what's the limit here in illinois 50 people to a, a public space or something like so. that and so the way illinois is going they may close that down again so. right so that if you limit it to 50 people that's how many dealers are at Wonderfest in the room, like over two hundred, I believe. Right, so you would have to basically let people one at a time into the show floor. It's, I, I mean, there's a lot there to talk about, and we'll probably talk about it more as we get there. But I'm really worried about October Wonderfest not happening, which brings us to our contest. What do we do if it gets? What happens to the Model Club contest if we don't have that show? I'll talk to Steve more about it as we go because it's, I mean, Steve and I are usually the ones kind of deciding rules and running them past you and with your input. Uh, I'll probably put it out to the group of the people that usually compete. Um, we are kicking around the idea of moving it online just in case it doesn't happen. I, I would not want to cancel it entirely and until we know if Wonderfest has been postponed till next year. Because if it's going to happen in the next year, I'd rather wait until then and do an, and then see if that happens. And if that doesn't happen, then it would definitely probably go to some sort of online thing because then it's postponed twice and it starts to look bad in terms of it ever happening. So I don't know. Shows, model shows might be a thing of the past, which really kind of conventions might be a thing of the past, which bugs kind of, I don't know, it worries me because that's a like, for us sort of nerd people, <laughs> conventions are a huge thing. And it's not just model conventions. It's 
it's everything. So that's where I get all my exercise yeah. walking around the room 50 zillion times. We can tell that's where you get all your exercise. And me too, man. There you go. So, I mean, that's a bit first bit of news. I, yeah, I hope it all works out and I hope it goes okay, but I'm not hopeful at this point, but I don't know. Any other verbal news from you, Scott, in, in terms of model land? Nothing crazy. So I have actually taken a break from a lot of Facebook groups. And um, so I'm just kind of kicked back. So I'm not getting as much or hearing as much. Um, a few little tidbits, but nothing, nothing worth speaking to, really. How's um, it feel to not kind of be inundated all the time with well as, hobby, as, a hobby, lot hobby. Of, as a lot of people know you know once in a while i tend to mix it up with folks and um <laughs> that's yeah i would and, yes uh, i've really been trying to get away from that for the last like year and a half and, but it's like uh, the mob it sucks you back in well it does you know and um i so i just decided you know i'm just gonna take a break from it all and um you know, it, it's it's okay. You know, it, it's I still see stuff out there. You know, there's enough friends and things that share things, and I see stuff. I am still on a lot of Aurora groups, and uh, those guys have a different. It's a whole different mentality. You don't have the politics that you do in our hobby, and so I stayed on most of those. And, Good. Um, it it's weird when you do step back. I've kind of been doing the same thing, refocusing what I look at on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm moving more towards Instagram and I do everything over there. It cuts out a, a lot of the, my urge to argue with people. <laughs> so it's, you know, I don't know it online. It's, and here we are doing something online. Uh, but that stuff can drain you. It really can. I don't know if this fit. This is a good conversation to have maybe as a whole. Well, show it's a good lead time. in. Yeah, it's a good lead in to the fact that in the grand scheme of things, life is too short yeah. to worry about bullshit. And, um, you know, yeah. I'd rather worry about building and painting models and maybe even producing a few um, yeah, than the rest of the bullshit. And uh, so screw all the egos and all that crap and just, um, yeah, worry about And that's kind of what I want this show to turn into is I... I want it started off, you know, let's for want fest because we had nothing going on for our contest. Um, but if we can just kind of do this and, you know, open it up to model builders, producers and, and interview those people and just kind of refocus on the community as a whole and kind of bring people back into the world of modeling or, you know, spread it around a little bit. I am. I think we can consider that a win. If we have 10 people listening, I'm considering it a win at this point. But you know, it's, it is what it is at this point. Uh, I don't know. Right. And you and I have talked and so everyone out there knows, you know, we will have producers on, we will hopefully get some sculptors on if we can, um, along with modelers, painters, modelers. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, we, we want to cover everything and, uh, that would be the way to go. And some of these people, we may get a modeler on here you never heard of. And, you know, it, it's just talking about his experience in the hobby and, and everything. 
and then we may have people on like Steve, who we've all heard of and, you know, have been around a long time as well. So kind of no rhyme or reason. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I we think. are, <laughs> which we, we also need. I know Steve was working on it. We still might. I don't know. We need we need an intro. We need to polish this up a bit. Um, but we are working on an intro. We're working on some segment intros and and. Yeah, because right now it is very low, <laughs> low tech and. I just don't have the time to work on it, but I'm going to focus on some of that and get that done. Uh, microphone I'm using. Yes. That that's the next thing. The next, the very next thing this podcast is getting <laughs> is got a microphone and a better way of communicating on here. Cause we do need to level out where we are. And I understand it sounds bad at times. And, but we wanted to jump in both feet, even though we weren't technically probably ready. Um, I was a little more ready because on my YouTube channel, I do a lot of live stream. Um, but it'll get there. We'll get there. And I mean, we'll see. And I'm on this one also because at the end of this show, we're going to have another segment and I have to share my screen. Yeah. Of my regular computer. Usually I'm on a tablet. So if you notice, there's a different, um, thing here in the background, <laughs> you can kind of see it because yeah. I'm at a different angle. That's a, uh, it's my Mel Blanc print. Oh, let's, let's, let's get it up there. There's your Mel Blanc then look, if you go higher, there's the Batmobile. Yeah. And now I'll come back down so Jason can see me. How's that? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> is there more? Wait, I have Mordor behind me, which is... Oh, we'll talk about that. Anyway. Yes, this is a Jeff Yeager sculpt done for John Deary um, of Monsters from the Woods. And I think John has showed this a few places, but... It's a um, Son of Frankenstein. I think it's one six scale. I'm sure it's close if it's not. Um, nice pose. Not necessarily a scene from the movie, which a lot of people do get hung up on doing. And this is a version of the monster that's not been done a lot. Um, he's got the fur woolly vest on or whatever you want to call it. How many? It's what? The two that pop to mind are Geometrics, right? And the Forbidden Zone. Forbidden Zone actually did two. They did, did that, an early one that was sculpted by uh, Brian Hamilton, who recently passed. And he had another one. I can't remember who sculpted the other one. It was huge, though. I, I used to tell Rob it was his lawn jockey, Son of Frankenstein, because <laughs> it was huge. And Resin from the Grave did one years ago. Okay. Um, and I think, uh, actually, ex facto, John Tucky did one as well. Okay. And uh, it had a companion Igor piece to go with it. And um, that was also sculpted by Jeff. And uh, this one is, uh, it's really nice. I like the pose. It's its not, a lot of times people tend to sculpt the monster in these vulnerable positions. And this is just a, just a basic pose. In the statue world, I guess they almost call it a museum pose. You know, it's not an action pose. Yeah, it's not that's a, okay. necessarily a scene from the movie. And uh. um it looks I like good. It. it looks really good. I really yeah. like that. I like it. And and it really shows the difference in the makeup. Um, you'll realize the difference in the makeup until you see all three. You know, the pride makeup is obviously different because the hair is burned and, and things. But the makeup from the 31 to the uh, 39 monster is, uh, you can see Carlos's face was a little more filled out. He had gained some weight. and um, But yet it's still there. It's still the monster. Uh, the other one that I had found that I really liked is this Mr. Barlow from uh, Killer Kits. Uh, 
not much to say. I just thought I saw it. I was like, man, that's actually a really good Mr. Barlow. Oh, for those of you who don't know, is a vampire from Stephen King film and Salem's Lot. And I hope they do really well with this because I want to start seeing more modern horror stuff around. But yeah, that's it. Really low and, on the pictures this week, which is okay. And a correction from last week, um, that ghoul kit, that Jeff Yeager kit of Karloff is the ghoul. Uh-huh. That was actually bought um, by Dave Nicholson of Killer Kits. Okay. But uh, you can't contact Norbert because he will handle the mailings um, in the U.S. So I don't know if, um, you know, I we had said initially Norbert had probably bought it, but that one was Dave Nicholson. But Norbert's still involved enough. He can get you one, get a hold of him, and cool. he'll uh, hook you up on that one. And just one more correction from last week. Wow, we're going to have a lot of corrections, aren't we, eventually? Yeah, uh, Charlie um, Robson, you know, our number one fan, yeah. we have to mention at least once a I think he said his article won't be in this AFM that's coming up. It'll be in the following. I think oh, cool. Yep, he did two, say that. Two, right. two issues beyond. So those are the two corrections we have. Cool. Uh, in terms of emails, we haven't gotten anybody. Please, if you want to send us an email and talk to us, uh, it's modelclubtv at gmail, and we'll go through that stuff. We'll probably start a mailbag feature and answer questions and go something like that eventually and do a little more at, towards the end. I think we're going to skip it this time because we do have a very long – interview with terry j webb here our very first guest and the way i want to kind of see this one is we're going to have him on a lot and it'll be the terry j webb chronicles and this would be chronicle one uh as if you know terry or have ever talked to terry on the phone he talks a lot and you do a lot of listening so i think in order for us to do it properly it's a lot of a lot of episodes with terry um the topic that we came up with for our interview is what happens to us when we die? Scratch us and put stuff because not to be morbid, but we've seen a lot of passing in the last few years and there's a lot of stuff to be said about what we should do with collections, what we should do with our stuff, with our companies, with, with all that, what, what kind of burden are we putting on, those we love and leave behind. So it's, I don't know, Scott, what do you, what do you think? How do we preface this interview that's coming up? Well, um, one thing about, um, you don't talk to Terry. Terry talks to you mm -hmm. and that's okay. Terry is very knowledgeable on the history of the hobby. I always like hearing what he has to say. And, um, it's, uh, it's an interesting subject having my own health care, her health issues a while back here it does make you wonder you know hey my stuff was and jason's been in my basement and we'll touch on this with terry also it, it was a mess and at the beginning of this year i got down there and organized everything took pictures and um, we'll talk more about that at the end of the episode put together a spreadsheet which we'll talk about at the end of the episode and um I feel a little better as far as my family will be able to identify something and uh, <laughs> if you know, and yep. uh, be able to get rid of something. I have a shit ton of pre-paints. Um, most of them are Bowen designed superhero stuff. And I have to do the similar thing to that as well, but at least that's more, that's easier for them to find. If something, if I drop during this interview, they could probably go down there and find that stuff. And yeah, 
knowledge about. When we talked to Terry, we talked a lot. Most it was strictly garage kits, really, and not other collect. I mean, somewhat a lot, but we did not talk about prepaints. Prepaints, I would think, are a lot easier to dump than model kits these days, or no? Probably. Um, you know, it is with any collectible. It's you have some that are more desirable than others, and. Um, some you pay fifty dollars worth and they're worth hundreds, and some you pay fifty dollars worth and they're worth twenty five. So yeah. it, it, it's it's like any other collectible: comics, baseball cards, um, Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with Jason there, but uh, yes, it, it's it's you know, but it's there's enough there that it's worth me inventorying and getting that taken care of, and I so, will. Yeah. Anyway, with that being said, enjoy our talk with Terry J. Webb, and we'll see you afterwards. Hey, everybody, we're back with our guest, our very first guest on uh, Model Club TV, Terry J. Webb, the godfather of resin. Uh, thanks for joining us, Terry. Hey, greetings, Daywalkers. Thanks uh, for having me. Yep, always aw- always a pleasure to come on your show. <laughs> it's awesome to have you here. We, uh, I just want to start by saying this. We... We plan on doing this as a regular thing with you, uh, the Terry J. Webb Chronicles, as I kind of see it, and we'll just kind of hit topics as we go and do it that way, because I think there's well, a lot we can touch on. And Did you clear that with my manager? That's what I want to know. Uh-oh. Who's your manager? I thought this is a, a that... off gig. <laughs> Uh-oh. We aren't <laughs> no, paying. No, I'm looking forward so... to it. Okay, good. We're not paying, but we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the topic at hand is today. What happens when we die? What happens to our stuff when we die? And in terms of that is, uh, what happens to model companies? What happens to model kits? What happens to all of this that we do when we die or we're not here? Because there's been a lot of that going on lately. And when I asked you what you would wanted to talk about, this is was the first thing that came to mind. So we're just going to kind of open the floor with both of us, with Scott and you and me, and we'll just kind of talk about what do we think? Like, we're aging. Not all of us are young, and a lot of hobbyists getting young, so or getting old. So, Terry, what do you think? What happens when we die? What should happen? Uh, when we die? Well, I think there's worms involved underground, and it's a process. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, probably about in the mid '90s, uh, a good friend of mine wrote for the magazine. Frank Daniel died. I think he was like the first guy that was like, "Oh, what happens to his stuff?" And uh, his, I believe his sister ended up taking care of the estate. I did my best to help out with her or whatever. But what you'll find is when people come to you, you know, the really only thing you can tell someone it's something at that point. Like when we're talking about a modeler, because this cons- uh, discussion should concern the modelers in their collection. And then on the other side of the coin, the producers with what they would like to see done with their legacy, whether they have 20 kits that are out there, or maybe it's just one or two. Uh, so to start with, I would say just, you know, for like the regular modelers and whatnot, you know, watching what happened to Frank and countless others, you know, as the years have gone by, you know, I always tell them there's like really three options, you know, cause you're dealing with people that really don't care or have a little interest in it. So that's part of the problem right there. You know, yeah, with, definitely. when you have, you know, relatives or whatever, a family member can take care of this stuff, but more often than not, they're not going to have a need for it. So if you guys out there listening to this, like most modelers, you probably have hundreds of kits, let alone, you know, 
albums or cassettes, you know, or, or I should say, you know, CDs, toys, whatever you might have collectibles. And when I talk to the people, I'm like, listen, you got three options. You can sit there and say, you know, I want to sell this. I want to get all this money out of it, you know, and, and monetize it the right way. But that's going to take money and time, just like the rest of us dealers out there selling it. And most people aren't prepared for that. But that's what I tell them is that you need to get this in front of the modelers. You know, you just can't have a garage sale. Yeah, let's start advertise. there. Let's start specifically yeah. modelers. Like just before we get to the producer end of it, right. modelers. Scott, off the top of your head, how many of like in the last five years, how many do you think prominent modelers have we lost? Ooh. Well, if you're counting guys that were producers also. Yeah, we could. I mean, yeah. I, I would say at least probably my numbers are on 10, just that I could probably rattle off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, guys that were in the clubhouse, of course, you have uh, the John Tucky, the Mike Parks, the uh, Vin from Resin Crypt, um, Tom Parker. John Raiders. And, uh, you know, John. and you have guys like John Pettick. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Bill Harrison, um, you know, and that's just sitting here off the top of my head. I can give you those names and Terry can probably give you a few more. Um, so yeah, yeah definitely more that that's died that way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, one of the disheartening things for me doing the magazine is to get a postcard back or an issue that we shipped out and it's stamped deceased. Oh, wow. I never, that's how it happens. Uh, well, that's how it happens. You oh, know, man. when you're when you're sending out mail and whatever and it goes through the channels, you know, it'll get refused and there's literally a red rubber stamp that says deceased. This is gonna be and... the most morbid episode ever. Yes. So yes. like if I well, die again... and didn't tell anybody, they get a stamp back, everyone gets a stamp that says deceased. That's wow. Didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Well, it's it's kinda like a final thing, you know, when you get it, you're like, Wow. And you know, again, when you look at the overall picture, if you're in the hobby doing what you're doing you know, you're, you're, you're enjoying it and you're doing this and that, but when you're in other positions in the hobby or whatever, when you're looking at like the hobby as a whole, like I do, you know, you see stuff like that. And I can remember back in the nineties going, wow, you know, we're already dated to a degree with our ages and yeah. you just know, it's going to get worse as time goes by. And you've been slowly seeing it with these, you know, the modelers dying off for the producers. And like I said, that all leads to, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this because probably the most recent is John. But to get back to the regular modelers, my advice to these families when they call me, I just lay it out for them in black and white. And, you know, and I say to them, look, if you're like most families, you've been led to believe that your, your deceased paid a lot of money for this, which is always true. Very few people amass yeah. a huge resin collection, you know, cheaply. Um, but, you know, things have changed over the time. You know, kits have been usurped and you know, there's newer kits out, better kits, they're cheaper, they're just whatever. So one of the problems I run into with these families when they call, you know, I'm trying to preface it, you know, the whole story with that, look, they may have paid $300 back for that 1997, but there's no guarantee you're even going to get half of that nowadays, if you want to be realistic about it. In Especially if it's a now, painted piece too, like you're not. Well, again, yeah. that's, that's just one more layer of crap of what I try to tell these people that they're in for that I'm like, listen. You, you can go out there and try and sell this yourself, whether just online or going to the shows. But keep in mind on buildups, that's a really shaky thing when people are buying it. If they get it in pieces, you know, that's going to be on, on the seller. And I said, you're, you're just going to be doubling down with another set of problems. 
trying to get something to somebody. So I tell them you can, your best bet is usually to go to a dealer and try to get the one price, do the whole deal for one price. And there's not a lot of buyers out there for that, but there are enough that everyone's not dying. They're going to flood this market, but eventually that's, what's going to happen with a lot of our possessions. You know, I mean, can you imagine someday in a roast of Giver, people wouldn't even know what it is, let alone no, give you a thousand dollars, which it's been known to go for. Yeah. It's not going to happen, you know? So, so I tell them you can either, you know, contact somebody and try to, you know, get rid of it all at once, or you can sit there and try and give it away or whatever, but whatever you choose to do, depending on the collection is, it's going to be a pain in the ass. And it's not like someone's going to hand you 10 grand if that's what you think the collection's worth. Right. So, and I don't know how much Scott, you want to touch on your situation, but we're not the healthiest bunch. <laughs> when we come to modelers, we spend a lot of time indoors away from the sun, not exercising. And then maybe that's a wake up call too for some of us is to kind of take better care of ourselves with so many people we've heard kind of pass away the last few years and then have to deal with this in a certain way. And Scott, I don't know if you want to talk about it. Like, what was your first well, thought with your So situation? it was a, about a year and a half ago when I got a surprise diagnosis that I had a tumor on my kidney. Actually, I still have a tumor on my remaining kidney and they had to take my kidney. I had about two weeks of not knowing what was going to happen. You know, before you get to doctors and there's a plan and I, I'm sure any anybody out there that's listening or watching that's gone through it knows what I'm talking about. Okay. It, it's, it all hits you at once. Your mortality hits you at once and your unfinished business hits you at once. And in my case, I knew that I had moved three years ago and I had a basement full of boxes, as you've seen, Jason, yeah. with no organization, <laughs> no. no anything. Yes, I could go down there and find anything you wanted to. And I could tell you approximately what anything was worth. But all that is in my head. It, it, it isn't written down anymore. So this past summer or this past spring during the COVID, um, I did make an Excel file. And I went through box by box, organized a little, um, and researched. And basically what I did is I went on eBay and looked at finished items. Okay. Not what people are asking. This is something that people fall into also as I'm sure Terry could collaborate. You go on eBay and you say, Oh, this guy's selling this for $300. It's worth $300. No, you need to go into completed auctions yeah. or sold items. And you, you'll see that same item really only sold for a hundred. So when it really comes down to it, it's really worth a hundred. And like Terry also touched on, you know, you spend a lot of money. And, you know, there's the stories of you spend 300 and you're lucky you can get 100. There's also those stories where you spend 100 and you might get seven. Okay. So the best thing you can do is be, is educate yourself and educate your family, whoever you think is going to be left and give them as much information as you can. Okay. Right. Manufacturer, sculptor, scale. Um, I have all this on my Excel sheet. And Jason and I are going to do a little bit after this that, um, yeah, you know, we'll I'm go through it. To show my Excel sheet, and um, hopefully, hopefully, we're going to do. Show you all the stuff that I'm going to be buying, right? Yeah, yeah. When Scott when Scott kisses off, we know what look, we what's want. What's scary about that, Terry, is just on based on eBay sold items, and this is me, and I, I, I don't know where I am in the average of things. Um. Let me put my glasses on because I have it pulled up right here, and I just I want to give you a. Um, and this is, and you're pretty. You you have a lot of stuff, right? Like. 
Yes. Now, okay. so this is total styrene and resin and vinyl and, you know, whatever you have here. And I just want to give you guys, bear with me one second here. So this, this sheet you got going here, Scott, this basically is a crib shot for your wife or whoever would yes. be the yes. custodial part to give them a crib sheet so that they could figure out what to do with right. the stuff and it's labeled, so which is- This is important. value that I based on sold items. Okay, now there's 693 kits. Okay, and that's, if something's built, I list that. Okay, you know, and I, and I adjust that value. I kind of go, and Terry, I don't know if there's a um, standard or, you know, and I go by when I used to collect solely Aurora kits. Aurora kits that were built were worth about, at the time, about a third of the value of a mitten box kit. Okay, you know, and that, that's a rough estimate, but it was about a 30%, one third value. But so just going by the value of my own things, um, comes to $40,667.50. That's a good chunk okay. of change. You and, know, and, and, you, and you kind of devalued them right on the lower yes. side. Yes, yes, I did. Okay. You know, I didn't go, I, I did comic books for a while and I realized everyone thinks when they collect anything, whether it's comic <laughs> books, baseball cards, whatever. Um, I just went through that. So that's why you I'm have of paying a quarter for something that's worth hundreds of dollars. You paid a quarter for something that's not worth a nickel you know in the end it all it all comes out in the wash right yeah but yeah so yeah you know i would say educate your families educate your families if you have kids stepkids whatever educate them i told mine if there's something there that you really think is cool and you want to keep that i don't care yeah that's kind but, of what i told my friends i said if i if i die Everybody can take something. I don't care. Like, whatever. And then just sell the rest. I said call you, actually. Yeah, don't get attached to it. Don't get emotionally attached to it. And I also kind of give them a list of people to call. Yeah. Or friends that I trust. So in my case, you know, it's call Jason, call Steve, call my friend Kurt Krauss, you know, call people I trust. Call Terry. I would tell them to call Terry Webb as well, you know, because why not burden you with it? Uh, <laughs> yeah why not man yeah well yeah. listen Final hey, can i interject here real yeah, quick scott sure. i think the list is a really good idea but i would add two things one i wouldn't get too hung up on the details other than maybe the, you know, the manufacturer and the name and a loose mm -hmm. voice point for it because yeah you, you have to remember when this is going to be going down they're going to be in no mood for for this work because that's what it is you're literally leaving you know a chore sure. list for, for your loved ones and then the other thing i would say is that the guys are going to do this and whatnot, get this to them before you die. I would, you know what I'm saying? Like, like my mom did the whole, um, you know, will thing, the, the cemetery plot, all that stuff. And it's all in like one envelope. And we really didn't go through everything other than she said, it's all, you know, by numbers or whatever. But that's one thing I'd recommend. If you do do the list, just put it away. But before you do tell the people like, Hey, this is off in the side. And then once you're done grieving and then you look at the basement and want to curse me, this is what you, this is your, you know, your guide to, to get out of this hell. But at the same time, make yourself some money because like, like I said, I think a lot of people are, are overwhelmed by it and then they want to do this purge thing. And like I said, you know, if you got $40,000 worth of models, you got several hundred dollars of models. And then the big problem is like I tell people, when I come across a collection or whatever, it's real easy to sell an unbuilt kit, duh. But it's tougher to sell a buildup if it's a rare one. You know, it's not as tough 
but it's tough to get that thing in one piece to somewhere when we're talking resin because these aren't like vinyl kits or some of that designer vinyl now where you can throw it up against the wall well you know scott you don't have the problem with built kits right uh, one or two, not a lot. <laughs> so, but you know what I'm saying? Like someone who is sitting on built kits or kits still in the box. That would be me. Like I have a ton. Yeah, a ton. that's an easier sell. Anyone out there listening? That's just you know common sense. But when you have the buildups, those to me are the are the 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 anchors around people's neck because just I mean think about it. Whenever you take a, a kit to Louisville, or if you're mailing a buildup, you're double boxing it, whatnot. And if you have dozens upon dozens of kits. The odds of that stuff being damaged in the process of selling it is pretty good. And on top know. of that, nobody wants built kits. They just don't. It's hard well, to see. They, it's they hard do to get if they can't find it, you know, as a last measure thing. But by and large, you put a built kit on a table at Louisville and an unboxed one or a boxed one, you know, it is. It's almost yeah, like pe- trying to sell yeah. a bottle of VD at that show. You know, most guys do not want. <laughs> hey, that's good stuff. What are you kit. talking about? <laughs> most guys come with their own. <laughs> I just get it for the collectible bottles, but, but, but what I'm, what I'm saying, <laughs> oh, like, wait, on, you know, on the, on the fan that perspective, that part of it is like, like just to use John Tucky as an example, I know we'll talk about producers a little bit later, but you know, John was a rare case in that I believe he had one surviving cousin who pretty much didn't want to do with any of the proceedings. And all the other people that I'd seen who had passed away, they had, you know, a wife, or, you know, just a family member or something that they monitored it. But when you look at a case like John Tucky, I found it just, it absolutely blew me away. As long as I knew John, I remember him telling me he was a paralegal. So I thought to myself, when I first heard that John died, that like, well, if anybody's going to have a will, it's going to be him. Well, let's jump you into know? it. Start. Producers. John Tucky. Well, I, I just think, you know, like when you look at some of this stuff, I mean, I might have a controversy controversial view on some of this stuff but hey that's okay um yeah well i I, you know like when when john passed all right well the whole problem was what i had heard through the grapevine was that uh it was literally willed two people told me that it was willed to them in separate conversations and they were years apart when one was um uh jeff yeager and then uh, john's old friend i forgot what her name was was it christine emily or Emily, yeah, and I spoke to her at length after John had passed, and uh, you know, and the what I had heard was that there was, you know, John's wishes. It was known amongst the three of them that John wanted probably Emily to have whatever stuff, and you know, Jeff was supposed to have all the hobby-related stuff, and he had an actual piece of paper that had effect, but it wasn't notarized and it wasn't signed. And, you know, you know, the one thing I learned with my aunt and my uh, grandma dying, you know, this is through my mom's experiences. When it comes to probate court, all that stuff, you know, when it comes to the counties and taxes and all this stuff. I was shocked to find out that there's people in every state, in every city and every municipality that are hired specifically to go through the, the obituaries. And then they check their properties and all that because there's timelines on stuff for filing things and their whole job is just to see who's lax in doing that. And then they have the uh, authority to come in and take it if it isn't done in a timely manner and all that stuff goes. And you know, that kind of is what has happened to John. It's all at the, the County auction house. And I think you guys know it's going to be going off here shortly before the end of the month. July and, 23rd. July yeah, and they just came in and took it, you know, and I'm sure Jeff went to whoever the powers that be, and said, look, this is what I've got. But, 
You know, if you don't take care of your stuff while you're in the here and now, it doesn't matter. You can go up there with your bottle of tears and something, you know, spelled out in blood. But if it's not done, you know, by the books in accordance to law, you're SOL. And, and then so Sorry. look what's going to happen now. John's stuff is just up on the, the, the auction block. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting sale to watch because you don't know what state that stuff's in. Yes, yeah, Scott, what do you like? How do you know that? Do you know what? What do you know about the auction? How it's being handled? Like what? Just to... well, what I know about the auction is that um, it's being sold in lots, and it's a uh, it's it's a county sale. So the uh, LA County is selling it. As to where the money goes, I think as Terry mentioned, there was a cousin, and and, and again, I don't want to speak out of turn because I, I may not know the whole story. From when John and I were friends and talked frequently, I don't think he and this cousin got along well at all. And so it's unfortunate that, as Terry said, John didn't do what he really needed to do because, you know, this is it's turning it's going to turn into a shit show, basically, for Jeff, uh, especially, I think, in that um, if someone buys this stuff, who owns it? Who owns it? If someone buys, you know, who who owns it? Now, everybody in the hobby knows Jeff, John wanted it, okay? I'll be the first to say, and, and John and I didn't always get along, but I'll be the first to say, I know John wanted Jeff to have everything, hobby-related, as Terry said. And what happens with this auction? In this auction, um, I spoke to the auctioneer because I was interested, and um he sent me pictures and there were pictures of broken kits and there were pictures of, you know, um, did it look like it, they just took everything and shoved it into a box? Well, like even he said, even the, the, the fortunate thing is the auctioneers that I, the, the gentleman that I spoke to is a movie fan. So he at least had some knowledge of what he was looking at. Yeah. And they did do some research and um, I did help them a little bit, put certain kits where they belong like hey uh he, for example john's phantom kit uh that was on the cover of the one afm they had the phantom in the organ and i sent him a picture and i said look there's a girl that goes with this kit this this makes this kit complete okay um they have boxes of masters they have boxes of molds as, as to what they have that that's, I don't that's know. the interesting thing because yes. the guy's yes. name sean he called me two months after he died Mm -hmm. told me it was going to go on and then i've been in loose contact with them and everything and i finally got to see the photos and uh yeah people looking to buy the molds or whatever which is going to be a real real can of worms i'm assuming whoever is going to bid on it is probably going to assume that they you know we're just going to be free and clear to do it but that's where you know it gets all crazy and that's where my controversial <laughs> opinion i mm -hmm. think comes in that would solve all of this and my my opinion is of such because the kits are unlicensed and because there was no clear cut thing. Uh, and then most people in the hobby would ever think, well, yeah, it should resort to Jeff and whatever. Well, Jeff doesn't have control of this stuff. Now it's going to get sold. And I guarantee you, whoever buys any of this stuff, I don't think anyone will get a complete mold out of this uh, sale. That's scary. That's talking that's to... sucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, but again, you have to look at yeah. the, You have to look at that, you know, the auction house. The bottom line is don't know. this this might as well just be, you know, slips of paper, paperweights, you know, uh, door frames. Yeah, it's just a product that they need to get out the door. 
because you can imagine any county is has an auction house. They're just selling dead people's stuff, you know, that yeah. they're coming into possession of. And I, who knows what goes on on a daily basis, but yeah. talking to this guy, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to do and everything and take a look at the date. We're well over a year and a half after his death, but I know a lot of that had to have been, you know, done with his unexpected dying. And I'm sure there was other stuff that needed just to go through the channels. But once this stuff sells and people try to sell it, then, you know, it's it's kind of like it's it, to me, it's just all gray areas of everything. So my my opinion is of such. Is it really that a bad thing just to let this go to the sands of time and what is out there is out there and is done is done? I mean, I know there's a lot of people looking probably for certain exo facto kits that, you know, wouldn't agree with me at all. But I'm just saying, you know, in terms of how this goes down and whatever, you know, this is kind of like a precedent in the hobby. Not that anyone's keeping track of things, but, you know, like I said, John's an unusual case. He was pretty much all by himself. And if there was a wife involved or a family, then this wouldn't be going to this court and have to, you know, go this route. So the people that are probably sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to see what I can get. Well, you can go up there right now and take a look at the pictures. You're, you're looking at a bunch of boxes. You know, there could be photo albums in these things. They're just listed as miscellaneous I, I, molds. I, not to sound like a jerk, I don't want John Tucky's photo albums. <laughs> well, you know, but you know what I'm saying? They are yeah. labeled as, oh, as I know, models, I know. but they're just miscellaneous. And there's disclaimers all over the site, you know, and, and naturally there should be. So, you know, imagine if something gets bid up where people think they've got something. Well, you're paying another 15% on top of that, along with the shipping. And I, I know for a fact, John... You know, he didn't. I don't think he really stored all his molds together. He was he had possessions of the smaller parts from when I visited him and what I saw on hand. That was what I got that he was sending off the bigger parts to other people and he was keeping the smaller ones. So my thought was, well, what are the odds of even getting a complete kit? They don't know what they're looking at. And you guys both seen, you know, cavity molds. You know, it's like trying to you know look in the mirror and cut mm -hmm. your hair or something. You don't really know what you're looking at unless you know. <laughs> the piece, you know, right. so yeah, so I look at the whole thing as, you know what, let people buy up what they want, you know, there's people who probably want to own something of John's, there's a bunch of stuff in the sale that he clearly did, it's from the articles, you know, and like you said, they grouped that, and uh, so I can kind of get all that, but just the whole production of the stuff, the way I look at things, Jaeger's done every you know, universal monster, just, you know, ad nauseum. And there's a zillion of those kits out there. And then Jeff's still with us and you can hire him to do new ones. But what do you guys think about that? Now, I was gonna I go, mean, Scott, you what do you think? I'm a little crazy or do you think, uh, you know, well, it, it's, I, I don't think it's a bad, um, opinion. It's, um, I do know that, uh, Sean called me at one point and said, Hey, we found some boxes that say master on them that have kits on them. And what does that mean? And I explained to him, well, those were John's masters that he would use to, if he was going to reissue a kit, cast it and, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and I explained to him, most sculpts don't survive the molding process. So a lot of people just make a resin master. And if they have to do another one, they, they do it. Um, I did ask him that specific question. So if you guys sell me this master, do you also give me something that says I have a right to produce this, this kit? And really, right, they don't want to get in the middle of that. I was just going to say that. They don't want to touch that with a hot potato because, right, right. you know, like they right. say, nothing's implied. Right. And you, you, as is, you're buying what you're buying. 
And, and then, so then let's just say, and I, I'm talking hypothetically clearly, because I want nothing to do with the mess. If I went and bought one of the masters and produced the kit, well, now everybody in the world knows Jeff, John wanted Jeff to have the kit. Okay. And then it's kind of like, man, why would I want to get into that shit storm of knowing that, man, everybody knows, you know, John wanted Jeff to have it, but now I'm claiming ownership. I mean, it's like Terry says, it's such a shit show that it might be better to just let it all go and be done. I will say too that, and Terry, I don't know if you know this, when this auction's over, you have three days to send someone there or go there yourself and pick the stuff up right, and get it out of there. So it's not like they're going to mail it to you. Okay. So it's really. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out here. I thought that there, there was a mailing option. You're telling me that anyone bids on this thing, unless it's physically picked up. Yes. Then what they cancel your sale. That I don't know what happens. That I don't know what happens. But but my understanding was now you can get UPS. You can call a UPS place to go pick it up. But then you're counting on them to pack it, them to ship it. You know, we just talked about all that with the other stuff. Okay. But yeah, if and and you know, again, everybody, there the websites out there. I'm, I'm I don't remember what it is, but double check what I'm saying. But I'm pretty sure what he told me and what I saw on the website. You have to pick it up. You, you have to pick it up within three days, send someone to pick it up for you within three days hmm. and you know, yeah, get it out of there. I did not know that. And, and that will really complicate things unless it's someone that's in Southern California. That being said, maybe that benefits Jeff. Maybe he just goes there and, and throws a couple thousand at it and gets it all. And then there's no question of the ownership. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then uh, the weird thing is, like I said, just, it's just a scrap of paper. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I've I've got living wills. Me and my mm-hmm. wife do, you know. And um, but yeah, it's I mean, think about it. You know, we're just talking about someone's kits and collectibles. You know, when we're talking about modelers, but you know, it's the same thing that happens to their clothes and whatever. It's it's just all a pain in the butt. But you know, again, get back in the genre and the producers. Then you have that whole thing of let's just say someone dies and they do state whatever. You know, if a guy just says, hey, when I die, I just want it to die with me, I would be fine with that. Yeah. And Or if he said to the person, you know, like, hey, you can do whatever to the wife, you know, get something done. But usually that usually gets strangulated out into nothing. Another mm-hmm. gentleman that died probably, God, I don't know. I don't think it's been 10 years, but it's been seven or eight was Jim Deming. Pretty cool cat up in uh, the Northeast Quadrant. Um, he... Um, he did some kits and whatnot. I can't remember the names of them, but he did a really cool like scuba girl that was over a, a diving hatch. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. And then two that he had, I, I wish I'd have gotten just because they were just kind of kitschy and goofy was uh, Burt Reynolds and, um, oh, uh, uh, Jackie Gleason from um, um, uh, Smoking the Bandit. Oh, the and bus. So, those were yeah, busts, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember. So, yes. so Jim goes and dies, and I hear through the grapevine that you know his his uh, you know all the modelers reached out, and it was all you know it, it ended peacefully and whatnot, and and then after you know the word was that she was going to make these things available, but unfortunately that's been the case with most of this stuff. You hear, oh, it's going to be this or it's going to be that, but you know, like I said, unless your spouse or your family has some type of connection to our hobby it's labor intensive and it, you know, takes a lot to get this stuff made, you know, 
And then you got to go and resurrect it. And, you know, I went through this with my pal Mike, you know, going through the possessions in the garage. I mean, I knew him pretty damn well and everything, but, you know, he had shit in his place. It made no sense, and it would have been really cool. <laughs> and I could did it my whole life. Hey, hey yeah, I think that, you know what? I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think every single person's relative that comes over to one of our houses will go, none of this makes any sense. To yeah, it, like the and, way. And it, yeah, and so I was as knowledgeable as I was. I was able to ID things that and would whatnot. Be but I came across a bunch of things, and I'm like, what? I didn't know what it was, where it came from, whatever. Just and looking around this room going, right now, I'm like, why? Like, oh, man. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be a I shit mean, show. Yeah. I mean, imagine all of a sudden, you know, you got into, you know, your aunt's Barbie collection from 1960. You know, you'd have all these people going, oh, you got the rare bikini. I've never done outfit. that. I've never done that. I've never done that. Or, or whatever, you know. <laughs> but like I said, it's, it, it is. It's, it's part of, you know, letting people know. But, you know, in, in daily course of life, who wants to sit and think about, well, Am I going to buy a burial plot? And hey, here's a you know a, a, an eight itemized list of all my kits. Yep. You know, put this in the thing, and when I die, you know. But you you really have to do it because, do. like I said, John to me was was just like a giant, um, oh, uh, what you call it, um, you know, canary in a coal mine. That you know, if you don't do it, and since he didn't have anybody, now the stuff's just all up for grabs and. You know, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, the, you know, Jeff will just end up doing other pieces for other people. But, you know, I want to go back to the auction for one second. Is it a private auction? Like, do they know who wins each piece? Do you know? I'm not sure. I I think it's all done anonymously. You just register in advance. They take a deposit on you. And because what's the I don't want to give anyone a horrible idea, but my devious brain kicks in. What's to stop someone from saying, oh, I won this auction. And then they recast the kit and pretend like they won that auction. Like, Jason, and, re- and put know, it out I there. I thought I was the devil's advocate I, of this hobby. And you yeah. just, yeah, that's the problem with some of the people in this hobby. You just don't know what lengths they'll go to. Oh, they'll go to any lengths, and we know that. Oh, I know they will. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. saying. You just don't know. I've seen it time and time again. But like I said, you know, like. If, if this thing was just, you know, not that the sale nipped in the bud, but if just people were under the understanding. But like I said, there's a bunch of pictures up there of molds. And like Scott said, some of them are labeled master. So really, it's kind of like, you know, draw a straw. Who knows what you're going to get? Well, let me ask you the hard question. Like if some do you regardless of what you think should happen, like let things kind of sunset, which I think is a honorable way to handle it in a way like. Here's this guy's well, with legacy. Everything else going Let it on, speak it for seems itself. like the most sensible thing to do. Right. But I don't have a stake in it. I'm just looking at the overall benefit of the hobby. But let's say benefit. someone does win that master. What do you guys think? Do they do they have the rights to produce that kit? Or even well, the molds? I would, I would say this. Show me someone who could say they don't have the right to do it. You know? I mean, yeah. that's the problem with it. There's, it's, it's like the wild, wild west. It's like I've always described the hobby. If you've got a gun on yourself and you think you're being wrong... Then you draw it and you and you draw for justice. Simple as that, you know. Because there's going to be no cops. There's going to be no mediating. You know, the, for hobby the, justice. The national, the national resin association isn't going to come in and and declare you know arbitrary rights and try to settle it. Hey, wait it's a minute. Done like it always is done. Someone's in one state, someone's in another, and says "f you." What are you going to do about Maybe it? Maybe we start that association. <laughs> and- yeah, and, well, and charge you know, membership I, fees and all that. that like, run Jason, that record. The thing is, it, it's it's like throwing up a thing of confetti. You know, do it twenty different times, it'll land twenty yep. different ways. It's Dada just going to be what people. it's going to be. <laughs> you know, so 
like I said, I, I I wouldn't be buying or you know if I was a producer, I wouldn't be bidding on any of that stuff. I'd be sitting there going, you know what, Jaeger's still there. There's these other guys out there that you know every bit as good as Jeff and their their areas of expertise, and that's what I would do. I'm I'm about breaking new ground. Yeah. I mean, you know, in this day and age with the hobby, you know, my general opinion is it's starting to eat its tail. It's like a snake just going in the round, consuming itself. So I'm just kind of like, you know, go off on a different tangent. Maybe come up with Jaeger's, you know, uh, killer line of gremlins or whatever, you know, just do the same thing, but do something different for Christ's sakes, you know. What, what about Vin? Did he have his stuff squared away or is it kind of still out there too? He's got a sister that was handling things, and I'm looking to track her down. Uh, last I heard, I think it was uh, Nick D'Angelo was was in with the family to a degree or whatever, and something might be going with that. I mean, it's but, uh, I, 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 again, this topic is t- totally morbid, and I feel like we lost some really good people in the last yeah. few years, and it sucks. It really, yeah. and even with, I mean, you know, we got COVID going on. God help us if we lose any more. It's just. Yeah. It's well, I just I don't want people to look, lose their stuff. I want people to be yeah. treated right when they're gone and Well, if you look at John and Vin, you know, John I believe was 61 and Vin was about my age or whatever. But really oh, what when that? they both passed, you know, I hung around both of them and I've been to both their homes. And, you know, and I Yeah, I went with you to live. Vin's that one time. I was there. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, you know a person's lifestyle and whatever, but you know, you you mentioned it earlier, Jason. Um, there's, you know, the sad fact is a lot of modelers, you know, we, we used to joke when we do t-shirts and you know, that when we <laughs> I know where do this them, is you going. know, yep. you'd have to get, you know, you know, like you never got small and you certainly hell didn't get medium and large was always the, the one size when, you know, it looks like a kid's shirt. So you always had, you know, obviously get the large and the extra larges, but then it got to the point where, you know, we had to get like the double X and then, and then the triple X and then. We jokingly called it the modeler size because unfortunately <laughs> a lot of modelers like to eat, like to watch TV, but they don't like to exercise. Yeah. So when you look at that, you know, just looking at our hobby, you know, we have that. <laughs> it's almost like we have these, you know, these uh, uh, preconceived uh, medical issues or whatever. And yeah. so, you know, looking at some of these guys, they didn't really look, you know, like that they would that they would have passed away tomorrow. But they did, and a lot of people were surprised. But I looked at both of them, or you know, on both those cases, and it really didn't surprise me at all because I'd known John since, like, I think I met John in '91, and then probably you know '92, '93, whatever it was when he came in. And you watch these guys, and I only see them, you know, on a weekend or whatever. But you kind of get a sense of somebody, and like I said, you know, John smoked a lot and he drank a lot, you know. And like I said, you know, people have different. Uh, genes and whatnot but if you're not out there exercising and try to eat healthy and whatever you know anyone can go in their 40s 50s or 60s and that's way too young and you know our hobby's small enough as it is we need everybody that we have yeah you know i don't i don't want to be losing anybody but that's just the sad fact that the audience that we all cater to is slowly dying and then this is the biggest thing you know i'd like to do another talk about like what anyone could do in their their area, their neighborhood, or just in their, you know, circle of life, what you could do to kind of plant the seeds for modeling, you yeah, know, because that's, that's even worse than dying. The, the, the really scary thing is there's just no kids behind us or guys. I mean, there are some, but compared to what normally is out there and whatever, 
you know, our hobby is going to be in dire straits in the next 10, 15 years because everyone's going to be dropping off. I mean, we could talk a little bit about that now. That It fits in. I started, so I think most people know, I'm a teacher, uh, elementary school for most of the, uh, it's 23 years now. And at elementary school a couple of years ago, I started an after-school model club. And it went okay. And I actually, I got some people donate some things and got a lot of money some, from some friends. And we're, it was very generous in getting this going. Um, but the kid, there was a couple, like, I think I had 20 kids sign up and I let them all in and it was probably too many, but some of them, they just no patience at all. But then there was like those three kids that loved it. And those are the ones we got to get. So if you, if anyone wants to start a club like that, kind of open it up. You're going to have a lot of kids drop off, but then just find there's like three or four kids in there that will love it and they will stick with it and build like the hardest thing and not care. And those are the ones we got to kind of force it and not force it, but like push them and keep showing them things and showing them things. Uh, even now it's at school, like, cause now I'm at a, a junior high. I'll say, Hey you guys, I, a lot of them, they all are into streaming, watching other people play video games and stuff. And I'll let them know that I have this modeling stream once in a while where I'm doing modeling and I have kids show up and talk to me on there. And they're like, wow, you do this. They don't even know it exists. So you're absolutely right. We have to plant those seeds or none of oh, this. Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing around. that I tell people, it's it's a really easy thing to do where you don't really have to do much. And it's so simple. And it's like there in front of everyone's uh, eyes. It's a worldwide phenomenon. But it's always amazing. People never make the connection. Do you know one of, one of the biggest model-related things going on now, model-building things, that is huge worldwide? Lego. Yes. And Lego is, yep. is like... I don't want to call it the poor man's modeling. It is, but it is like that, like like a. <laughs> it's not poor man because it's expensive. But, no, no, yeah, but, but you know what I'm is. saying? Yeah. That like you could get kids started super early, and if they like that working with their hands, that's what yep. you know what you experienced, Jason. Those kids were finding out that obviously they didn't have patience, but they didn't have good and eye coordination. Yeah. That's part of it. Other kids find out they have it, and they have that artistic sense that drives them. So I always tell people that like, man, just expose you know your kids to legos that will at least kind of introduce them that concept because you know as of late like in the last 10 15 years the younger kids i came in contact with you know when you show them how to build a model <laughs> sad as it sounds they didn't know what a model was and i can back this up we used to do a make and take um i worked with frank winspur when he when he had mobius and we got this thing out at monster palooza going and you know frank had the little monster scenes kids so we did the first one. He brought 100 kits. And we had people coming through the door because it had been kind of advertised with the AFM modeling end of things. And these people just came in saying, you know, I got a kit at home. I'm, I want to grab the kit, <laughs> you know, and, and, and take it to them. Well, you know, and that that show and whatever, you know, half these guys didn't even look like they would be responsible enough to have a kid. <laughs> he just got the sense, you know, that they wanted a, a cool movie. Well, I mean, isn't that ninety percent of the population at this point? Well, yeah, yeah. and then, but the, here was the thing. But there was None of us there was other responsible. ones. Look at me, that, I'm a teacher. That had kids, <laughs> they wanted to take, the, you know, the, just grab the thing and go with it, like it was like a a lunchable or something. You yeah. Know? And we were like, no, no, the thing says make and take. You know what that means? You make it here. We're trying to instill something. And the whole concept, the model building, giving them a little taste of it and all that, all they saw was the word free. And then they walked away. You know, some people walked away pissed off. And as the years rolled on, we kept doing it, got, you know, bigger and bigger. And, you know, we had even more people that we had to deal with. But the interesting thing was most of the kids that were there, 
they did not know what a model was because when I sat and did it, the first question I said, do you know what a model is? And I knew damn well they didn't know what a model was. And I explained the model and what the concept is. And then I'm like, okay, because, you know, they just want to get in there and do it. But it was really amazing because the parents sat there and they're like, wow, I never knew he could do that. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there going, you know, I know modeling's great. You too know modeling's great. But it really is like a therapy, almost like for kids with ADHD or whatever. You know, it, it's almost could be seen as like a medicine or some type of elixir that were certain of those kids. I think they'd fall right into it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to, This is a whole nother topic, the death of the hobby, which I w this easily trans goes into. Um, but I think for kids and I don't want again, I don't want to overstep into that yet, but it's the subject matter. Scott, you're a huge Universal Classic Monsters guy. Kids don't mm -hmm. care. They don't care about that no, at all. No. So hear that, Scott? Your creature yeah. just doesn't doesn't carry any merit anymore. It I doesn't. Know. So when you go to like say, hey, we're gonna build a model of this, and it's Dracula, and they're like, what's that? That's not Fortnite. Yeah. If someone wants yeah. to make a million dollars, Fortnite kids. There you go. Yeah. Or something well, like this. that. Guess Wait. what I saw in the store. Set it here first. No, oh. take it. I'm sorry, what was that? I said it here first, so I'm going to have Fortnite kids at some point. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. I don't want to yeah, steal that idea. Go ahead, freak. <laughs> I was at a hobby store July 4th. Guess what I saw from, geez, I don't know. I think they're from like 08, 2010 or something. It blew my mind. I saw little plastic kits of cars from the Pixar Cars movie. Yeah. Never cool. saw them. I pick them up. It's a Russian manufacturer and then when i looked them up on the internet they have like an english edition of them you know that's got you know uh doc uh whatever you know uh the, the hudson car and whatever well i get up online and all i can find the boxes are in russian you know characters names everything mm -hmm. and i thought that was unusual but that's one of the problems you know you could sit there and, and do a, a model forum in the community and you can sit there, you know, and be, oh, you know, what are kids going to build? You know, kids aren't building. And all the naysayers will come back and they'll say, you know, this, that, and the other, that the resin kits are too much or they don't, you know, identify with the thing. And that's one of the problems is that, you know, and I place this squarely on every plastic manufacturer that, that ever came. I ask this to everybody. Have you guys ever seen in your lifetime a model commercial on TV for plastic model kits. I'm thinking. Scott, what about you? You ever watch TV? You know, and I'm not talking about today. I'm He's talking still, about in the not. 70s. I'm talking about in the 80s. And I'm talking about the 90s. No, I, have no, I cannot remember. If there was, and, and, and this could be a stretch, if there was, it would have been maybe... The um, Snoopy kits, you know, the, the Peanuts kits from the right. 70s, you know, the sock with camel. And, right. and stuff like that. Um, but, I, you know, the closest if thing they I did do that, it was as a toy yeah. commercial because they yeah. were borderline toys. Those, right. All right. Well, this is a trick question. There is actually a commercial. You guys might remember it. I want to say this was in the mid 2000s and it was by Bandai. You know, you notice that it was an American company. Japanese. All right. Now, Bandai yep. was over here. So this is in the days of um, 
Oh, um, God, I can't. Gundam kits. Gundam's huge they, right now. Huge. Yes. Well, and it was, I guess it's big, been big for a while. I, I mean, just, it's I have no really interest in it. It's so, right now. Like, right. Well, they did a Gundam commercial that aired on American TV at the time during the afternoon when the kids' hours on. And I might have seen it on a Saturday. Yeah. The whole commercial was kind of like this badass. They showed these kids and they weren't happy and friendly. They were just kind of like street kids. And the whole angle of the Scott's commercial of was yeah. they had different levels of, of uh, these uh, kits, you know, like like they say, skill level, whatever. So the kids were sitting around going, you know, that was the challenge of the commercial is what your skill level. And, it's, you know, they'd sit there with their arms folded going, oh, I'm a three skill level. And then, you know, the one <laughs> badass kid, he's like, I'm a five one. That in my lifetime I remember is the only commercial I have seen ever where they actually put it on TV. So when I condemn all the plastic companies, you know, you look at it, it was just a, a, a you know, it was just a case of they had it good for so long. When you look at the 60s, the period I'm talking about. They'd come out with annual uh, list of what kids enjoyed, what was popular and whatever. Model building was in the top five for most of the 60s. Then in the 70s, it started dripping down. And that's when they needed to really, you know, they, they did certain things like, uh, um, you know, some of the stuff that they did where they tried to make them more like toys. They were incorporating different little things, you know, whether, you know, the spring actions with like the skeleton kits. They were every gimmick they used was trying to get kids into it because obviously it was faltering. But luckily, they they had all that base from the you know 50s, 60s. Those kids growing up that carried them through the 70s and 80s. But the only thing that they did was re-release kits and whatnot. That's when I think they screwed up in the late 70s. They should have like pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, saying, "Hey, what about the 80s? What about the 90s? Especially when the computer." Yeah. When the arcade shit came on, that that wasn't a wake up call, but they did absolutely nothing but limited releases and they just slowly pinched everything off like a giant turd to where we are now. <laughs> and look, look at the state of it. Yeah. And because they haven't been bringing in the kids, you no. know, we're no. all going to suffer as model builders because our, our art form is dying. And, yeah. Well, when you think about that, and, and I just did a little math here. So I believe it was the Aurora Frankenstein came out in 1962. Is that uh, right? 61. Okay. It was the year I was born. Okay. October. <laughs> so that's, fight! That's fight! <laughs> 59 years, okay, from the time that came out. So now, if you take and say, maybe the earliest a kid was building models back then was 10, okay, um, that would mean a lot of these guys are in their late 60s at this point. And you're older than that. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, that's, yeah that's where yeah. we're at with that group that started off with the Aurora stuff. Right. Know? And, and, and the Aurora stuff, I think was so popular at the time because of the fact that that's when the, um, the late fifties, early sixties is when the television station started showing the old monster movies, you know, and yeah. you had your screaming yellow theater, Chicago, we had creature features, um, you know, all over everybody had something. Right. And, um, it, to your guys' point, as we got into the 80s, okay, you, you didn't have model kits of stuff from the 80s to hold the interest. I, I, I think Terry's right. You know, you don't have things from the 90s. You ever see a Pokemon model, a Mario model, you know, anything There's like that. There's actually one was done, the Crash Bandicoot. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that. They, they yeah. did try that. And that was that early 90s. That was a popular video game compared yeah. to the other ones either. Yeah. And again, you can't you can't stop at one try. You know, right. you need series and you need to, you know, continue things. And, you know, like I said, you've seen all these people. They'll come out with the rarest version of a Sherman Firefly with all the resin accoutrements. But then right. you look at what they make for kids and whatever. And like I said, they skipped over several generations. And now you'd literally need someone to start a new company with that mindset with the dig- digital applications and whatnot and kind of incorporate that whole end of the computer software into things. I think someone could do it, but the one well, thing I've learned is all the people that are movers and shakers in the modeling world and got other famous people on board, you know, like I'm sure, you know, there's a couple cases out there you've heard of like, Oh, uh, um, the one gentleman that was the dad on, um, Oh God, I forget it. He's, he's big in the trains, you know? So, and he's a well-known actor. I can't think of his name, but he goes around kind of shilling for the the railroad market because he's a big railroad fan, you know. And I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, in in, in popular culture. I mean, you see it all the time. Someone will sit there, like Elvira, you know. Did you ever think Elvira built, you know, uh, Aurora <laughs> kits with her dad when she was six or whatever the hell the the story is? But you know, you get someone. Wait, really? Like that I didn't know that. I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a ton of people I've met like that that they. You know, like, you know, back in the day, I met Kirk Hammett back in 88. You know, mm-hmm. it really didn't surprise me. He was a monster freak. Yeah. But when it came out that he was one after Metallica was huge, everyone just thought that that was insane. But, you know, you can't you can't discard the value of someone popular like that, throwing their hat in the ring. You just get doors open for you. And take it from me, if someone's you know promoted the modeling hobby, you get doors shut in your face because it's just like, well, models don't sell now, you know. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. I The problem with marketing, we're totally off in the other direction right now. But right now, why is a kid going to want to buy a model when they can have a 3D printer, download the file, and print it out and have it? it, it we're in such a weird time yeah. between Jason, like, technology even that, and things. Let me point out Mo- Mobius and um, oh, uh, uh, Pegasus. You go in their kit catalogs, they have several kits that are available as a pre-finished model. So just take, for example, you can sit there and spend 35 bucks and get the Johnny Quest SST Dragonfly as a model kit. And then obviously a model is going to want to do it. But for every modeler that's going to do it, I can show you 100 people with two thumbs that just want to open up the package yep. and buy the pre-finished one yeah. that's sitting there for 20 or 30 bucks more. Yeah. I mean, do you really have to be a rocket science to figure out what you're going to sell more of? Right. And in a way, you're almost defeating, you know, you're killing your own product line. But they have to do it to survive because yeah. that's where the majority of their sales, you know, if you talk to either of those owners, you'll see. I, as a dealer of that stuff, I've seen it, you know. I guess we could label this as how company, what happens to companies when they die as a business and as a hobby. It all fits in. It works. We'll find a way. Well, yeah, I guess. Just uh, put a graphic of cemetery gates up in the front of it, <laughs> paint your camera through, and we're good with it. But, That's good. But no, to get back to where – Wait, wait, was, hold on, Scott. Think... What were you going to say oh. real quick? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Just, I'm what Terry just said. I remember years ago, um, I really liked Randy Bowen's statue line of Marvel stuff. And he was at a Wonderfestal one year, and I asked him, I said, is there any chance you could make these as unpainted things? Because especially early on, a lot of the pre-paint stuff – you get these paint jobs, they were horrendous, okay? And I said, man, it would be so cool to just have, you know, the unbuilt, the undone kit that we could paint ourselves. 
and, and he said, it just wouldn't be financially feasible for me. You know, I'd sell a hundred painted ones. Like Terry just said for every unpainted one, you know, yeah, and, and it's an undeniable fact. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't get around that and as a businessman, you know, it's kind of cool, but as a guy that supports the hobby and promotes it, you're like slicing your own throat. Because what would you sell if you didn't have that? Well, maybe the project wouldn't go through. But it, it's just kind of a one step or one step forward, two steps back. And it can't fault the guys for doing it. And then, you know, like you said, the way China's gone with their production methods. Mm-hmm. I mean, the example I always told people, there was a War of the Worlds Martian uh, machine that Pegasus did as a kit. And they had it out for a couple of years. And then they came out with chrome finish. Actually, it was more of a brass finish. But when I was growing up, my mom had a brash candy dish ashtray. And it was just, you know, a little circular <laughs> thing. But you walked up to it, and you could see your face in the thing. I saw that kit, and I was like, holy shit. I mean, this thing's not a piece of junk. It literally looked like it went into a body shop, and it wasn't Earl Shibes. And it got this metalizer finish <laughs> on it that beats the band. All I had to do, I held it up to people, looked at it. I just told them. Look at yourself. You can see your face in that finish. It's like a car bumper. I go, if you don't buy this, I'm going to take this home and put it on my shelf. I didn't come home with one of those things. They were 50 bucks. Unbelievable. I'm sure they're going for a lot more now. But like I said, you know, guys in our hobby that are figure guys, you know, they kind of shy away from the, from the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the non-organic finishes. And that's talking car finish, perfect yeah. finishes. And that is an art form you know, to pull that off correct. So you get some sci-fi guy looking at that, you know, it's kind of like, well, do you want to do the marathon or you want to get in the cab and go to the end of the race? <laughs> and that's what a lot of people are doing because they just don't have time to do the modeling. So on one hand, I'm thankful they're doing it. But on the other hand, I'm just like, well, thank God they don't do it with every one of their releases, you know, because probably the three of us and a handful of other guys would be the, the fools to buy the kits, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and then it'll sit on a shelf, and I'll never build it. Well, exactly. You yeah. can go down that, you know, <laughs> down that path. But, but yeah, it is. It is kind of discouraging. But, but I know, I know, we deviated from everything. But I, you know, like fine. I said, if, yeah. if we have these talks and people, it gets at least a couple people to sit there and go, "Hey, honey, you know what? Never really thought about this, but you know that that that's all that stuff out in that garage. You know, I'm gonna get going on it or whatever." And, you know, and maybe they'll think about this because really, if you if you leave it to your uh, loved ones without a game plan, I mean, even if you have a game plan, you're basically leaving them with a giant white elephant. It's a it's a giant part time job. You yeah, know? for sure. And that, that's why I recommend to people, you know, just go and try and find a dealer. You won't get what it's worth, but at the same time, you won't sit there and fret over it and and have this thing, you know, a monkey on your back. And I, I think that's what everybody kind of needs to get through is that you're not going to get what it's worth. And yeah. it's worth to what I, maybe sell it before you get to that point. Right. But your family, you're well, right. It's going to be an albatross yeah. around everybody's neck. Like, yeah, I could use my brother's example. He, he got a 57 Chevy and he decided to restore it. And I believe he put something to the tune of like 120 grand into it. And this car was so badass. Uh, Johnny Lightning, you know, they, they did a Hot Rodder series, and my brother's car made it on the cover of this magazine, and then they did a die cast of it. So it was it was all that in a bag of chips. And then, you know, when it, you know, he didn't want to sell it or anything, but when it came out, it was hot. Yeah. And so he's out on the car circuit, and he had an offer for 150 grand that I'd heard about. 
And I was just like, are you insane? Why wouldn't you have taken that? You know, you've got this done and, and you, you know, he, he'd done the circuit. Well, he, he wasn't done playing with his toy. Yeah. Well, 10 years go by, whatever it was, he decides to sell it and he took a substantial loss on it, you know? And it's like any of those car shows, anyone that customizes anything, you're going to pad up that bill and you can sit there and say, Hey, I got 20 grand into something. Most people are going, dude, I won't even give you 12 grand for it, but this is what I'll give you. Yeah. And that's kind of like this thing that, that what I've run into, you know, people like us three, we sat there and told whoever around us, Oh Christ, I just paid, you know, $300 for the Billiken, you know, uh, Gordon Plateau. And they hear these stories. And when I'm talking to these people, I, they're like, I know I was going to say, dude, <laughs> there's certain <laughs> you know people that saying? don't say what they these say. people have heard this time. And, I, and that's the other thing. I know guys that come up to my table, you know, that want to buy the topless kit. And they're like, Terry, my wife will kill me. If she knows I own this. That Just I put don't this get. under the that's... table. If she comes back, you know, don't say a word. So I get that. But what I'm saying is, a lot of these people have just heard through years, like you had heard from your parents, if you if they had a Hummel collection, hey, these Hummels are family heirlooms and they're limited edition or whatever. Well, the bottom line is this, gentlemen, and everyone else out there listening, it's only valuable if there's a demand for it. Right. And with garage kits being what they are and everything, there was never a huge demand for garage kits. So it leads to, you know, the thinking is, you know, there won't be that much. So you, you should take what you get. And, you know, if you got the time or if you're a fan, you know, I don't begrudge anyone holding out the money, but I'm just saying, if you got several hundred kits you're sitting on, good luck getting rid of them because, you know, our hobby's so splintered, there's no shows to go to as of late. Right. eBay's died down. So maybe another solution is you could donate it to, you know, some type. I know the, all the vets, there's plenty of organizations. A lot of vets are starting to find out modeling's a good thing. You know, to occupy their yeah, time. They're that is a, together, actually, so that is a wonderful idea. You could donate yep. stuff. I mean, I know that sounds weird to people, no, I, but, yeah, but to I actually give it away idea. to someone that will appreciate it and maybe plant a seed down the road. I mean, that's yep. just one of the options. Not too many people would think of, but I've heard other people. I got a friend out in New Jersey. His dad was like a lifelong boat modeler and had every conceivable thing you could think of. He was calling people. He couldn't give the shit away. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, the old boats of what he was doing, you know, makes our hobby look like it's still relevant. But he literally could not give the shit away. So, you know, it's it's this food for thought. Everyone should really, you know, take a cue from John's death and some of the other unfortunate guys in the past that you really should take care of, you know, what you want to do with your collections and, you know, have have some type of game plan so that, you know, the right. people that do it make sure you have some loved ones. You know, yeah. don't sit there and build models in your basement all the time. Get out and meet somebody, for Christ's sakes. You know? Those are two great pieces of advice, actually. Oh, man. So, uh, I, and I think I it's going to be hard for some people to hear that. You, Terry. <laughs> well, you know, just so you people know out there, Jason had contacted me, and I said, listen, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to talk about, and it's tough to do an editorial on it because there's a lot of naysayers out there that'll poo-poo you and you don't really have the interactions to kind of give them, you know, the background on the story or, or what angle you're coming from. But, you know, I just told Jason, man, there's a lot of heart hitting topics that some people will approach, but there's really nothing said or, you know, done. But a lot of people are talking about all this stuff. They just don't have the experience to really be talking about it. Cause I'm just like, you're hearing it from hearsay or whatever. Yeah. So my thought is on some of this stuff, if it gets people talking about things, then, then, you know, it did its job. 
I yeah. can't imagine everybody would agree with what's going to be said on this channel. No, you know? I but, trust me. No, that is that's no one's going to agree with half of what we say at yeah. some point. But you know, if in theory though, if people are supporting the hobby and everything, they should be down with a lot that's going to be said, you know, in the coming years and whatever. Because, like I said, you know, a lot of people that stood by, it's real easy to let someone else volunteer, but. Yeah. You know, did you ever think of like, you know, doing a little make and take and going somewhere with your library? I mean, anybody can do anything. And, and this is this. Will, and I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but this probably won't be taken very well. But there are an awful lot of selfish people in this hobby. And it's mine, 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 mine. And to get someone to volunteer their time or volunteer their kits to try and get more people involved. There's not many people, I think, that would take that on. And I, there, there's some that will. Those people that work the make and take room at Wonderfest all the time. Like I, I've worked at the one year, a couple of years, but I mean that takes a big chunk out of your day. And I know people yeah. are kind of like, oh, I want to spend my time, you know, walking around the floor for a hundredth time. But spend some of that time, you know, sharing. Yeah, would it kill you to go in and volunteer? Right, right. You know, I've seen how they do that. I think Lee, Lee used to manage it. Lee Staten, they do a great job. And I know. Uh, uh, Dave has taken it over to, I don't know if you've seen it, Jason, at G-Fest. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. went down there and, you know, uh, luckily George is doing little, you know, uh, nugget-sized resin. So it's not really a big, you know, issue on that. And then, you know, it's a nominal fee. And then it's not really like a class like like you've used to seen at Louisville or like how we put on with our classes. It's just to let the kid go in there and just go batshit crazy. And yeah. some of them do really nice, and other ones just do what they do. But the whole room is lit up. There's you nothing wrong with a rainbow in. Godzilla. Like, if, if it gets a kid painting it, who cares? Yep. It's all about, and that's how I am at work, too. Sometimes it's more about process and letting kids okay. experience that. Um, right. I think this is but a great hey, place to stop, but go ahead. Well, real quick, one last thing I want to say. Just uh, when you had said about the selfish modelers, to take the edge off of that, I, I their selfishness everywhere in the world jason and yeah. yes there's definitely in this but but i agree with you but but i would also put this caveat on it when you have the the social media because that that wasn't here the social media as far as i can tell what i've seen the social media fans that selfishness because you have a camera on yourself like this right and, here <laughs> and and yeah and you're dick yeah. well it's one thing to, to use it responsibly it's another thing just to use it selfishly and yeah. I'm, I, I don't I don't prejudge anybody for doing that, but I can definitely say that this hobby's a lot better when we band together and people do things to further the cause as as opposed to to further oneself, because, you know, that only gets you so far. And, and a lot of people see that. And then you, you, you have the division in this hobby and whatnot. Yeah. So unfortunately, it, it is what you said it is. But, you know, hopefully people can see this and. You know, maybe if they're going to do something or whatever, it's, you know, time to kind of give back to the hobby because people have been taken for so many years. The hobby's like a skeleton, in my opinion, in some cases. Yeah. There's nothing left to pick other than the bones, you know, and being a creative hobby and all the artistic types in it, you know. This, this they, is they a great topic for another horizon. day, like another time. Yeah. We could spend an hour talking about this. Oh, right. Well, real Go quick. Ahead. So let's recap yeah. a little bit. Um, Everyone's and- dying. And if yeah, everyone's dying. Um, we, uh, Every, everyone go, is dying. The auction because we can't drive out to California. Well, well, and, uh, I always tell my kids. Older than all of us. Okay. Everyone and, is dying. It's just a matter of how fast. And, um, but you know, so I look at what I did with a list, 
And, and certainly I, I can't look at that and say that's a bad thing. You know, um, do your research, do a list. I even may link photos to my um, list so that when they click on the model, a photo of the model will come up. Maybe, maybe unbuilt, maybe built, depending what I can pull up or find on my own. Um, I'm going to make this file of mine shareable so that if anyone wants to uh, email me, and Jason and I will cover that later, um, anyone wants to email me, I'll send it to them. And you can modify it to meet your needs, okay? It's, it's a real easy template. Yeah, a little Not everyone knows Microsoft Excel that well, but it's a real easy template, and it's right there, and you can add stuff, you can delete stuff. And, it, you know, maybe it would be a start to get someone to go down there and start going through boxes. Yeah. And, um, and don't That's forget to leave your password to the list because that would be something I'd do. Make yeah. up a list and then you couldn't yeah. get <laughs> yeah. a list of all your passwords. Yeah. Yeah. You have like three things that have a password probably. Your phone. And, and hey, you we have, have that many. That's crazy. Yeah. We have Terry Webb twice now on a computer, on a Zoom thing. Yes. Unbelievable. But um, you, and then, people oh. can't see this. There's a chain to my ankle to my desk. <laughs> it's the only way they, they got me to do this. So. But, uh, yeah. So if we got to wrap it up, I, I, you know, thanks for talking guys. I mean, it's great. I'd, I'd love to do this, you know, every, yeah, we're going to, like I said, it's going to be the Terry Chronicles at some point. What, what, uh, how's the magazine next issue? Any idea? Update? Uh, we're working on, this is the, the, the writer's choice and we're, you know, David's slowly choice. pulling it together. Yeah. And Read, then, you know, reader's choice, good reader's time. choice. Reader's uh, choice for crying out loud. Oh, I'm ready? sorry. I'm sorry. We've done writer's choice for so long. I always make that mistake. Yes. This is the reader's choice where we asked, solicited the readers to basically we, we we gave the wheel to them and just said hey come up with your how-to articles and then we're, we'll we'll judge them against that and we just kind of thought we'd have a smooth pull uh, pull of it but we got i think like over 25 entries oh, cool. there is no way they will fit in the issue but we're planning on using uh pretty much all of them eventually at some point so we're pulling that together but if any producers are out there i'm still light on my it section to show stuff no review stuff's coming in so if you got something you want to show, you know, we still got time to get it in. Probably be out like late August. Uh, we're still dealing with the BS COVID-19 uh, situation. So my new stand is wiped out again. It will be under the same guys. We have to sell it online. And a couple of our distributors, you know, like um, oh, uh, Steve Iverson will be carrying it. A couple of the, you know, the other known suspects. But other um, than that, I'm dreading it because, you know, just doing this is like trying to fight with one arm and one leg tied behind your back not to keep uh, hey, let, let me ask you ahead. just beforehand because you know i know you don't want to divulge too much you got a lot of readers sending articles did any of it shock you did you say like what is this guy why haven't i ever seen this guy's work before have, have... Uh, i will say this the 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 idea for this thing i've been sitting on for five or six years and I always meant to get to it and everything, but it was would mean you have to come up with like a whole you know set of rules, and then all the uh, mumble jumble that goes with it, so that the thing would go off without a hitch. And I never really got my shit together and sat down and did it. When we came up with whatever issue the ad appeared in, we had an ad pull out at the eleventh hour, and and so I was like, you know what? So I pulled an all nighter and came up with the whole parameter of everything, and then. We knew that when we did it, we were going to have to give them about a year. So that was one of the drawbacks, too, that, well, it's like planting a seed. We're not going to get any fruit for a year or so. So that was finally, I, you know, we, we got it done and everything. So my worst fear was lack of participation because I've seen that with all the model kit 
model kit contest I'm involved with, you, I see, you know, every year I see hundreds, thousands of kits sell, but you struggle to watch, you know, a couple dozen or a couple scores be entered into a contest. Louisville, you know, the lone exception. And you just wonder, good God, is everyone just buying these things and throwing them in the closets? It's like, why aren't these contests have more entries? <laughs> so that was my worst fear that yeah. we go and announce this contest and we get three or four entries and it wouldn't even be enough to fill the issue. My second concern was that people were going to do what we did, that they were only just going to kind of, you know, do the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, do all these characters we've done ad nauseum through the years. And to my surprise, not only was I pleasantly surprised by the the amount of them, but then the subject material. Because I just told Dave, I'm like, God, I, I really like to see them. And I put it in the copy. Do shit you haven't seen us do. And I'm happy to report we got a lot of different things in. You know, That's awesome. not, not the usual suspects. Cool. Got some really cool stuff. And I'm hoping this is just the beginning of it. You know, I'd like to make this a regular feature, maybe incorporate it, you know, once every year and a half or whatever. So it's all going good. We just got to piece it together. And I'm in no hurry to get this out because of the sales conditions on it and everything. You know, just rushing it out for my subscribers. You know, we're on the gun to pay for the thing. So, um, so yeah, it's looking on track to be out by August, but I'm cool. still, you know, we're still compiling some things, but for once in the history of the magazine, we're not waiting. We won't be waiting for late articles, which is <laughs> just a godsend in itself, you know, cause that's always seems to be a, you know, concern at some point. So I don't think I'm ever so it's coming along that. and so, it looks okay. good. And, uh, we, we, I mean, I, I'm happy with it. I think uh, the guys will be surprised. That's great news. I'm, I'm glad to show the spotlight on the hobby, you know, yeah, exactly. they deserve it, you know? Cool. So, Anything else? Well, Anything else you want to plug? Any shows well, you're not you're going to? Well, you're going to edit this whole thing together, so I guess we could talk another three hours. <laughs> yeah. Does it really matter? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, uh, no, like I said, thanks for having yeah. me. It was it was fun, and I look forward to doing some more. And, oh, and we're going to do I'm this gonna, a I, I What I want to do is I'm, I'm going to mark you know, on your T-shirt. I'm going to take some screen grabs here, and I'm going to put a little chalk line at the bottom of your beard. Oh, no. And then hopefully if this goes on for a couple years, we'll show – Jason's uh, beard growth chart. That's not fair. I just years. cut it. I just saw a video from me from back in uh, uh, May, and holy cow, I look like a psycho. <laughs> you, can like mark my, you can mark my double chin and see if that grows. Let's hope yeah. for you. But... Yeah, you got the paw kettle look going there. You just need a brown jug <laughs> in the background and maybe a uh, jaw harp or something. I'm Ooh. drinking my Yeti. Um, <laughs> I need one of those. You know, I'll plug a little something for Terry because he's not plugging it well enough. Um. For those of you that don't know, you can go into the AFM site, into the back issue um, area, and two things. First of all, there's a code word that you can access bonus articles. Some of them are older articles or whatever, but you can get their PDF files that you can download and have forever. Um, and also, you can buy back issues of sold out issues um, that I know Dave's still working on, and they're their PDF downloads, they, they send you a link that you can download at one time, I think, and um, get some of those back issues. And I have every issue printed, but I think it's so cool to have them as a PDF. They're five bucks, which is to me a deal. The magazine itself is 10 now, you know, and uh, I hope to someday have every issue or the first 20 issues at least on the PDF. So I don't have to dig into that cardboard box full of you know, bagged issues because yeah. I'm, I'm a collector and they're right there on my computer. And I think that's cool. And uh, well, thanks for bringing that up. I, I yeah, I kind of forget it because it's kind of new. He's, he's added more up and, and they're slowly selling because people don't know us as being a digital magazine. 
What's Frank. the website? Uh, amazing modeler, amazing figure modeler.com. No, it's amazing modeler.com. <laughs> I think it's amazing modeler. No, oh, we changed yeah. it. Check that. No, it yeah. used to be that. We, right, we went checking. with the whole thing this time. We're when fact Dave checking in, in live, live time. <laughs> I don't know Real much, but checking. I think I know that. But let's just see. Let's see. <laughs> let's see if I know my yeah, okay. So if you type amazing modeler.com, It'll knock you to amazing figure model. Okay, good. Well, we covered yeah. both bases. Then. Yeah. So, um, well, awesome. Thank you for man. joining us, Terry. Uh, this sure. has been a great first chronicle of Terry J. Webb. Well, you got a smile on your face. I do. So something I smi- happened. It's weird. I smile. He's got gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I'm trying to talk hey, so you do it. One, while one last thing before you go. Wonderfest yep. happening or not? I say probably not. You know, um, you know, part of the Wonderfest experience for me anyway is the socialization afterwards, going to dinner maybe with friends. And if they don't open that up, um, it's really, even if they do have it, I think the attendance is going to be so poor that my personal opinion, they'd probably be better off canceling at this time. As much as I hate to say it, you know, I'm 25, what, 25 years, Jason, in a row. Yep, yep, we're tied. And, um, you know, it, it, it's really, I know it sounds stupid, but it, it was really an empty feeling this year, not having that to look forward to. And, you know, well, I'm, I agree 100%, but Jason, what do you think? I think no. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think this, I'd love to see it go on, but I know it's going to be hamstrung and I know I'm not going to get any break on any tables, any transportation down there in any room. So the thing I look at as a dealer, I'm going to a show that I know will be well below probably their, their slowest show. And I'm not getting a break on any expenses. The only thing that looked, excuse me, that looked attractive to me was the Halloween aspect that I would love yeah. to party with everyone down there and, and be able to do a costume that would put a different spin on it and would make it very memorable. But in the end, I believe we'd all be standing there about 12 or one o'clock going, you know what? It probably should have. Uh, cut this because if they're you know like I said if they're going to only let 100 in at a time or whatever bullshit you know that's the uh, dealers I mean that's what things they got to put yeah, on that if, if you have yeah. 50 dealers but I don't think the municipality is going to let them have it no yeah. matter yeah, I think so. how yeah. bad they want it I just think it's going to be dead in the water and I'm, I'm like with Scott I think the bottom line is it would probably be better off just waiting another year yeah you know and you know I'm sure they'll have faux contests between now and then of some sort you know yep. but and I look at it with Whatever money they raised with the WantaFest thing, um, man, hopefully they can put that to really making it a dynamite show next year, to, you know, with a year off. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, what what could they do and everything? But, you know, like I said, I mean, who knows if even in by March of next year, it'll be back to normal. You know, that's my worst fear. It just, just drags on. I think with the next time we talk, we'll still have this as a topic of conversation. Because I don't yeah. think we'll know the next time we do the next Terry yeah. J. Webber. Yeah, it's a shame. But like I said, I, I just hate to tell that to people. But, yeah. you know, I it just sucks. think you're better off saying, you know, instead of hoping for this thing that's just going to get yanked out from underneath you in a couple months. Yeah. You know, or in the next month, actually. Is when they'll right. What are you doing there, Webb? I hope you're petting your dog or something. You guys <laughs> won't believe this. For our audio <laughs> listeners, he's, oh, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> I got attacked by, I don't know what last night, but I got like 20 bites on my feet. And it's oh not God. bed bugs. I went out I went out fishing, and I don't know what the hell of it is, or chiggers or whatever, 
but trying not to itch this shit. And then I got some poison ivy too. So I got like a double wanger going here. Uh oh. So, well, you just said so many things. Oh, right here. <laughs> now there's a visual I don't want. <laughs> Terry and a double wanger. Nice. Wow. Double wanger, and man. And he did say Trigger. So. double wanger. Yep. So, hey, you guys ask. I'm always here. All to right. help. We saw Terry's foot. <laughs> Great. All right. Hey, We're going to leave it least, there. <laughs> at least it's not a cast of my foot gonna... getting modeled by everybody. Oh, I remember that. Around. I remember that. That's, you true. Know? that's so, true. All right, it's Terry. It's just on my foot, and that's where it'll stay. <laughs> Thank you so much for we'll joining us. We'll update Terry's rash situation on our next episode. Hey, this will all be edited out, for God's sake. No, it, it won't. better be. No, oh, no. <laughs> no, it won't. Well, do you, do you want to show my, my super flurious no, third stop, nipple, stop, too? Stop, 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 stop. All right. All right. I got plenty more of them. Uh, Do you have more than three nipples? I got nipples? my belly buttons filled in. Oh, no. Plenty more nipples or plenty more? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. All right, Terry, gentlemen. Thank have a good you, night. sir. I'll, you uh, I'll be in touch. I'll See you guys. Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, Terry. Thank you. And welcome back. That was our interview with Terry J. Webb. We touched on quite a bit of stuff there, not just what happens uh, to our stuff, but a little bit of hobby stuff and a little bit of death of the hobby, life of the hobby. Uh, we'll definitely get more about, more into that stuff as the podcast goes on. Uh, that was just Chronicle 1. I'm sure we'll get up to 20 at some point. But anyway, we're going to show you what Scott had been working on with his Excel file. And we're going to make this available to download for everybody. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on that. It'll be in the links in the show. Uh, so you can have your own and, and like work on it any way you want and help your family. Scott, if you want to go ahead and pull that up. Sure. And I want to add, uh, we hope Terry's rash clears up. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to put my glasses on first. Uh-oh, I glasses. glasses. And I was trying to avoid the reflection. See the crazy reflection I get yep. when I'm in here? And but glasses going, are necessary sometimes. Right. And I'm going to share my screen. And, you know, this would be a good thing for the mailbag as well. If there's anything you want to know, I am by far not an Excel expert. But there's so many cool things you can do with Excel. I'm going to try to go through this as quick as I can. And just kind of show some of the things I did that are really simple. They're not hard. And, you know, you can modify this. You could modify this to pre-paints. I will probably use the same template and just change some of the columns. And really for any collectible, you know. And um, so with that said, I'm going to go to share screen. And here we go. And Jason will tell me if I'm up. How am I looking? You're up. Okay. Okay. So this is my Excel file. And it's, you can see my, and I'm going to use my cursor as my point. Wait, I'm going to stop you right here for one second. Okay. Uh, audio listeners, I understand this is a bit uh, <laughs> obtuse right now, but please check out the YouTube channel at Model Club TV on YouTube and check it out there again. We're going to have this available for people to download in some fashion. Anyway, Scott, go ahead. Okay, so you can see there's my title. I'm using my cursor as my pointer, so hopefully that's coming through, Jason. Yep, it I is. Can't see you can it. see all that. So we have model kit inventory, and you can make that whatever size you want. That's that's all really basic stuff. At the top here, I have my columns, and I have model description, manufacturer, type, and as you can see, I have basically three types, styrene, resin, and vinyl. Okay. Um, sealed, built, unbuilt, partially built, 
And as you can see, just right here at the top. <laughs> Let's all just laugh for a moment. Yeah. Well, there's a at few the unbuilt. unbuilt. Can we see okay. the, can you sort it? By, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it I is can, all actually. unbuilt. But as you can see, when you do have one, you know, two built, one unbuilt. Wait, which one is that? That's a Billiken Frankenstein. Oh, look at that. So, and over here, I have scale if I have it, um, quantity. Now, value is value. I kind of went on eBay and just looked at values. And we touched on that in, with the interview with Terry about that. Right. And, I, and the built one is probably worth less. And so I have to figure out a way to adjust that. Um, you know, if I just want to list it separately instead of this way, you know, I haven't gotten to that. This was just a, yeah. you know, starting point. I can modify it from here. Location. And basically I have two locations. I have a set of shelves down there and I call those my resin shelves. And as I go down here, you'll see styrene shelves. And there's a few that'll say model room and that's in my desk upstairs. And that's where a few of those items are. Okay. okay. Um, sculptor, of course. And um, over here, I'm going to scroll over a little bit. I have notes. For example, down here, this kid has no box, no box. Um, says Aurora on box, but not Aurora. And those are like my Cinemodels um, from the 90s, Forgotten Prisoner and um, Phantom of the Opera. Here's one. I have a Jaeger replacement head for the monster, one with a box, one without a box. You know, so... Um, I mean, just looking at this as someone, I, I know a little bit about Excel, but I think mm -hmm. anybody who could, a relative or someone who, if you gave this to them, they could easily figure out what's what and what's going on in terms right. of collection. And you could also, just so those not familiar with Excel, um, one thing I did here is they call it lock panes. And lock panes enables you to scroll like I'm scrolling now, but keep your headings here. Yeah. Okay. And that's a very easy function. Freeze panes. I'm sorry. I think it's freeze panes. And um, so you have that. And now I'm just going to do this just for the heck of it. Um, if I wanted to sort these by manufacturer or a certain manufacturer, I could do that. And if I just want to say, here's all my Blackheart models and hit OK, there they are. That's all my Blackheart oh, models. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, and if then I to bring it back, I have to go in and select all, and they're all back. Now, this particular sort is alphabetized by manufacturer. I could change that and alphabetize by model description as well, or I could also go down here and type in Frankenstein and just hit OK. And these are all the Frankenstein-related kits I have. And that's all it's going to show. It's unbuilt, sorted. Just unbuilt, unbuilt, kits. unbilt, unbilt. Whatever. I, you want me to sort it that way. <laughs> hey, what about that uh, the uh, that tiny Terry you've been working on? Did you make any progress? We didn't touch on that. No, that's because I didn't touch on that. Uh, You're okay. correct. All right. I that's what I thought. All right. But, but it's on the list all here. All right. Good. <laughs> and um, you can also break it down. If you want, and I started to do this, but I haven't. So if you look at the bottom, these are what you call sheets. Yep. And this particular one is just styrene. Okay. And if if I go down to the bottom here, I'm going to go down to the bottom. You should open a hobby shop. <laughs> I have 282 styrene kits. Now, if you look over here, there's really only 155, I believe. 
So I have doubles and triples and you know some gotcha. of them. I I have a lot of them. There you can see the numeral numerous numbers. Wait, here. what is that five? What do you have five of? Oh, there's a lot of fives. Um, oh my god! I have six of that, dude. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and then well, I'll there's a seven. To... What is that seven? What do you have seven of? Uh, that's a the go kart. The Godzilla's go kart. Look at um, that. Reissue by Polar Lights. That is very cool. I thanks for making this. I think this is a great tool for a lot of people. And see, I just looked at this and I have this screwed up, so I gotta change this real quick. Uh oh. Uh oh, changing something. You did say you can add pictures as well, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go to that. Okay. And hold on, I'm gonna cut this and put this where it belongs because sometimes you get messed up and you uh there you go. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna go back over here now. This is a real, you know, you could print this out and give it to somebody. Yeah. My recommendation would be to put it on a flash drive and give it to somebody. Yeah. Okay. And that way they can just open it on any computer or anything they have to. Now, going to, we're going to take this in as an example. You can see this one's in blue. That means there's a link attached. So this is a Fine Moles Millennium Falcon kit. I'm going to click on that. And there it is. There's a picture of it. Okay. This is kind of like a technical computer question. Where does it store the image file? Okay. So, and this is why if you have a um, flash drive, okay, I just have inventory pics in a folder on my okay. desktop. So you would have to get a flash okay. drive that had enough space to hold to hold the pictures, images yes. for every single thing, depending on how but big I mean, your collection is. Okay. But I mean, again, you can get a flash drive now that this yeah. one I'm holding here is 128 yeah, you, gigabytes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that, that would be plenty. Trust me. Okay. And really quick, if you don't mind, I'll show everybody how easy this is to do. So, and I prepared this, so don't think I'm this fast. So there's a kit I have. called the swine hunt there it is original issue it was never reissued so that's all you're going to have so there it is now i want to link this to a photo so what i do is i click this box i right click i go down to the bottom to link click that and there you see all my folders there's my folder inventory picks so i click that just i was hoping you click the right folder and not some some bizarro yeah thank there you there at the bottom is swine hunt and i click that and i hit okay and it's that simple now oh, when cool. i click on that there's the picture nice and for those of you that don't know that's an old uh deals wheels kits dave deal um they've reissued a lot of these this one they have not and what's funny too this one uses the same like body and stuff so except for the turret, there's like a dune buggy or something. Same engine, same body. It's kind of funny. So um, cool. And then I'll just go back and pull everything back. And now that has a link. That it's that easy. Oh, cool. So it's just a question of putting um, putting pictures. You know, taking pictures. And I took a lot of pictures. And then it got to be a lot with the resin kits. So I said, I'll go back. But I'll tell you, all my styrene kits, I do have pictures of. So I will be able to go back and do that. Awesome. And um, Thanks for sharing, man. It. This is a good, yeah. I think this will help a lot of people really well. And, and again, you can add 
you can add if I wanted to add a, a column here, I can uh, um, insert a column and I could put a header in here and it would format exactly the same size and everything. Um, you know, it's that easy. It, it really is. It, it's that easy. And um, definitely I'll just go up here and take that out this way. OK. And just for those of you that are curious. <laughs> let's scroll down to the I'm, bottom. I'm afraid. So that is the number of model kits. Now that's that's including doubles, okay? And that is the approximate value, okay? And we talked about Terry on value. And yeah, stuff, we did. And I, you know, I will tell my family, I don't think you're going to get that much, even though I have devalued quite a bit. But I could say I could see them getting seventy five percent of that. I could see them getting thirty. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I think when no. we talked with Terry too, it was. Hey, try and find a dealer and maybe unload the whole thing and cut a deal with somebody. Right. Right. Instead of trying to do each one. And and yes, and the problem there is, you know, how many dealers are going to have thirty thousand dollars to plop down? True. You know, split it uh, with five guys. You know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I mean, it's not. It, you know, again, it's not the end of the world to find a dealer, but you might not be able to. Right. And also on the photos real quick, like see this one, Rommel's Rod. I'm going to click on this. You'll see there's two other kits on this because I got tired of taking pictures. So this one, when I when I type the hangman in, it's going to have the same picture. The circus gotcha. wagon is going to have the same picture. But at least there's pictures. Okay. And if my family can't look at the name on the box and the name in the thing, then uh, <laughs> they don't deserve the money. They no, they don't. Anything. I got you. Okay. So there you go. All right. Cool. That's um, awesome. Thanks for sharing with us. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us on episode three. I hope the interview with Terry got something out of that, our little talk there about all our stuff, and I hope everyone can use uh, what Scott gave us with his Excel file, and we'll see you again very soon. Again, we're going to try and keep this twice a month around the 15th and 30th or 1st and 15th. I know we're a little late this episode, but there's trust me, there was a lot of stuff going on in, uh, behind the scenes. And thanks again. Scott, you want to say goodbye? I'll say goodbye, and we will have a link to, hopefully we can put this file somewhere that we can link it. And if not, um, email us and we'll send it to yeah, you. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. I'm pretty sure we can get it in there through uh, Google right. Drive, and everyone should be able to download it. Again, right. check out Steve's uh, YouTube channel at what was it, Scott? SW Riojas yep. is his YouTube channel. And again, I have mine on Jason Walker. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, lots of stuff going on, and we'll see everybody soon. Take care. All right. Take care.